Don't worry, I didn't forget. We'll get the offering later. That's fine. We need the Word of God. Let's give that to God one more time. I want us to stay in this vein right now. Come on, let's let's shout it to the Lord right now. Somebody lift up a shout of praise because I... I feel something in this place. God's not through. The Lord's going to speak to us. There's a power here. There's an authority from the Holy Ghost here today. I'm going to tell you that there's not a force from hell. There's not a spirit of darkness that has the power to stop what God can do in this room today. You need, to, you need to stop what people talk about the devil coming to church. You need to not worry about it because there's not a spirit of darkness left in this room today. Not after what's been going on in here. All the darkness is gone. And there is freedom and liberty to take authority in this place today. Anything can happen. And the Lord's going to speak to us, I believe, in a powerful way. Like the writer said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I feel the authority of the Holy Ghost to preach this word today. Mm. You know, this word is going to be very specific today. And I believe God has, has readied us for it. I don't believe that if, if service had gone any other way today that we could have been properly prepared to receive what God will say to us today. It's going to be very specific, but God is going to touch in many ways today and move in many different ways when we're finishing up here today. So if you want to turn with me to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1, going through verse 3, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so that uh, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish for, from the presence of the Lord. The Lord told Jonah to go, and Jonah said, Mm-mm, I can't do that. The reason was is because Nineveh was a great and wicked city, and Jonah knew I'm just one man. I'm way outnumbered. The city is huge. Their wickedness is exceeding. And he ran from the... He attempted to run. I'll tell you what. You cannot run from the presence of God. You can try. He tried to run away from the presence of God. Now let's get to chapter 3. This is after the great storm had come. They threw Jonah overboard. The fish swallowed him up. Spent a few days and nights in there. The you know Jonah repents and and uh, the great fish, the whale spits him out. That in itself was a miraculous thing. But see, uh, you know, we, we, you know, forgive me if if you disagree with me saying that maybe that should have just never even had to have happened. 
other than maybe to teach us a lesson or teach Jonah a lesson. You know, ideally, Jonah would have said, okay, Lord, and went straight to do what he told him to do. But still, this, this, all that, that that happened between then and when Jonah gets to Nineveh is miraculous. But starting in chapter 3, verse 1, stay with me for just a moment. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah rose, went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into a city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even unto the least of them. Everybody. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. Jonah went, Jonah preached and did what God told him to do and revival came to Nineveh. Let's just go ahead and move on into prayer right now. Let, let's, let's lift our hands, our voices, pray one more time. Lord, right now we need you. God, we may be tired. Lord, I know that we've spent energy in this place today already. Lord, that you've moved among us in this place already. But right now, we need this word to settle in our hearts. We need you today. Lord, so right now I lose faith. Lord, I curse and bind all unbelief and doubt and fear and anxiety in the name of Jesus. Anything that would hinder us further, remove it right now. I believe there's complete freedom and liberty to receive from your word. So open us up, Lord, and speak to us today. Anoint me, Lord, my lips of clay in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Let's clap our hands one more time and be seated for just a few more moments. It's hot. And I want to preach to us this for a few moments. What greater calling is there? What greater calling is there? I want to be perfectly clear right now and not beat around the bush and not sugarcoat anything. Let me be clear when I say we as the church of the living God are living in an exceedingly wicked world. Exceedingly wicked. Some of it unthinkable. To the point that you look and you see the news and you look around and see what's going on and you think, how did we ever get to this place? How is the world like it is right now? It is an exceedingly wicked world. 
The world we live in continues to remove the boundaries between right and wrong. Sexual perversion and immorality become more accepted with each passing day and more integrated into entertainment and a part of everyday life with each passing day. I'm being very plain right now. You can be anything you want to be. You can be any gender that you want to be. You can be any species or object that you choose to identify as. Pedophilia is being pushed to become an accepted sexual orientation by thousands. The demonic and satanic are common forms of entertainment in our world today. People take it in like it's just casual entertainment. Sexual perversion is everywhere. Christianity is being perverted and turned into something that that is not even remotely Christ-like. There is division in this world. There is unrest and strife in this world. Not just abroad, but civil unrest and civil uh, here. Division and hatred. All kinds of unrest. The ways and the thoughts and the hearts of mankind are exceedingly wicked. Nevertheless, the church of the Almighty God lives. And the modern day apostolic church lives. Come on somebody. Let me be clear. The world is dark and it gets darker by the day, but the light shines brighter the darker it gets. I'm telling you that the church of the living God is still at work. The church of the living God is still here and still alive and still going. And still preaching and teaching. We're still alive, but, but, but let me make this clear though. To live is not enough to exist is not enough to have church on sunday and on wednesday is not enough because the wickedness in this world grows by the hour it grows by the minute more and more and more every day it tops it you think i didn't think it could get any worse and then it gets worse wickedness is not stopping so the church cannot afford to just gather two or three days out of the week and be here just sheep among sheep. We've got a work to do. And I'm telling you that we are called to reach the lost. We are called to lead people to Jesus. It is our duty. It is our calling. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. I'm telling you, the world is not seeing the light of the church if we make these four walls and this roof a bushel. The light has to get outside. The light has to get in the midst of the darkness. There's no darkness in here. The darkness is out there. How can a light shine in darkness if it's never in anywhere that's dark? 
We cannot just exist. We cannot just live. We cannot just gather for service on Sunday. We've got to get out there and reach the lost. Oh, somebody will get with me. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. If people get tired of hearing me teach it and hearing me preach it, when God washes you and fills you with the Holy Ghost, you become a witness. Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power to do what? And ye shall be witnesses. Power to do what? To be witnesses. Power to do what? To reach the lost. Power to do what? To take the gospel. I know we say it, and I know we preach it, and we teach it, and we talk about it, and we sing about it over and over and over again. And I know sometimes I think that that some people look at me in in Wednesday night class, and I know they love me, but I think they they get tired of hearing me say, we got to reach the lost, we got to reach the lost. And they're saying, we know we got to reach the lost, but I'm still not going to quit saying it. I'm still not going to quit preaching it, because now more than ever, in the middle of this wickedness, in these last days, now more than ever, what greater calling is there than to reach the lost I'm going to tell you and you can debate it with me but you'd be wrong that it's not optional it's not uh, it's not for certain ones but it is for every Holy Ghost filled believer to become a witness it's not a calling that you have to receive a certain uh, confirmation for It's not a calling that you have to wait on an evangelist to speak into your ear prophetically. It's automatic. It is written. Jesus said it. Jesus commanded it. Jesus prophesied it. It is not our optional preference, but it is our reasonable service to be witnesses, to reach the lost. God, help us. God help us if we take the great commission and we turn it into the great omission. God help us if we take that command to go out the very last thing that Jesus told us to do before he left this earth in that physical body. He said, go out and reach the lost. You're going to be witnesses. You're going to preach and teach and baptize them in my name. God help us if we turn that great commission and we omit it. And say, and just lump that in with the gifts of the Spirit. Well, not everybody has that gift. Not everybody has the gift of being a witness. Also, not everybody has the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the gift of the Holy Ghost is only for certain ones? Or is it unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, and even as many as the Lord our God shall call? Because that's the gift of being a witness is the Holy Ghost. Because ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses. You don't get omitted. You don't, we, we don't get to omit that. We don't get to ignore that. I've been empowered. I wish somebody could get this right now. Can we not see? Can we not see the urgency? How how many times do we have to hear it? How many times do we have to be 
press for it? How many times do we have to get convicted about it? How many times do we have to cry and sob about it before we do it? Can we not see the urgency? Can we not see the weight of what's on us? I've been empowered to reach the lost. I've been empowered to pull people off of the edge of hell for eternity. I've got the power to reach out and pull somebody out of that pit. You tell me, somebody tell me, what greater calling could I have than to be empowered to reach the lost and lead people to Jesus? What greater calling could I have than to be able to lead people so that they can spend eternity in a place of joy and peace everlasting rather than a lake of fire? What greater calling? Somebody tell me. Sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I wonder, I talk about people, I'm searching for my calling, I'm searching for my calling. I understand that. I understand we want God's will for our life. I understand people feel called to specific areas of ministry, and we should seek that out. And we should uh, obey the will of the Lord when it comes to that. But I see so many, many people doing nothing and sobbing and crying in the altar. Where's my calling? And the minute that you spoke in tongues, you got your calling. Reach the lost. Be witnesses unto me. What greater calling are you searching for? I want to heal people. I want to be a prophet. I want to be able to cast demons out. I want to be able to, to, to hover when I'm preaching and worshiping. I, I want to see angels. And I, I, want to, I, you know, I want to be able to speak to the weather, peace be still, and make it stop. I want to do miracles and signs and wonders. But what about reaching the lost? Who wants to reach the lost? So many people want to eat at my table, but I need people to work in my fields. The Lord will help you with it. The Lord will give you the power to be a witness. You may not have been born for this, but you were born again for this. You might not have been born for this, but you were born again with this purpose. Reach the lost. Reach the lost. I wish we could get something stirring inside of us. I wish right now, I, oh, I wish that there could be a, something that stirs up inside of us. Oh, and makes us uncomfortable. If we, if we have to get uncomfortable, I wish something could stir inside of all of us right now. Oh, church of the living God. You're sitting on the pew, but somebody's out there lost. You're sitting in the presence of the Lord, but somebody's on their way to a devil's hell. I've been empowered. Oh, do I realize the weight of it? I've been empowered to reach lost souls. And I tell you what, I will fight for the lost until I breathe my last breath. I will fight for the lost until I take my last breath. I'm not going to let them go. I ain't just talking about new converts. I'm talking about prodigals. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about your sons and your daughters and your husbands and your wives and your loved ones. I'm talking about prodigals. I'm talking about everybody. I'm not going to let them. You know what? I'm not going to let them go. I'm not going. I'm, I'm not going to let them go. I ain't going to let them go to hell. 
I will stand in front of the gates of hell and I will fight until my last breath for the lost. You know what? If people in my life want to be lost, they're going to have to step over my dead body to walk into those gates. If my friends want to be lost, they're going to have to step over my dead body and walk into hell themselves. If my family wants to be lost, they're going to have to step over my cold, dead body to walk into those gates. Because as long as I'm alive, I'm reaching for the lost. What greater purpose is there? What greater calling could I wish for? I will pray for them. I will fast for them. I will intercede for them. I will give of myself for them. Ah! I will teach them. I will preach to them. I will be witnesses unto them. Because I'm not going to let them be lost. I'm not going to let them be lost. We need a determination. We need a determination. I'm moving on right now. I'm be quick, but I'm going to give us this word. Can we not see that the harvest is ready? Can we not see that people want it? Can we not see that people really are hungry for it? Look what's been happening in our church. Look what's have we been asleep on it? Or are we seeing what's going on in our church? We think it's just coincidence that, that, that multiple people have been baptized, received the Holy Ghost in, in the past week because people have been reaching for people. That's what happens when you reach for people. That's what happens when you teach Bible studies. You know what? These people that were baptized just in the last week or so and, and filled with the Holy Ghost, you know they didn't get it in Sunday service. They got it after Bible studies. They got it after group discussion Bible studies. If we would just teach them and reach for them, people are hungry for it. People are hungry for salvation. Who is going to give it to them? We need a determination in us. I know we've been using them as an example a lot lately, but it just, it's just so relevant to this today. That what, uh, we got to be a part of what the field UGA was doing yesterday. This Jericho walk. I tell you what determination is. Because right now my legs feel like jello. I tell you what determination is. It's walking from 7 a.m. to what, 1 or 2 p.m. all day long, nonstop, walking around for miles and miles and miles, walking around. I'll tell you how powerful it is. Following the, the way that it was lined up in the Word of God, walking in silence. Complete silence, not saying a word, walking around that campus just like they walked around the walls of Jericho. And when they were done yesterday, they went out and stood on Broad Street in downtown Athens and stood uh, around the arch, that forbidden arch, stood around it and cried out and spoke in tongues and prophesied and shouted and danced and people were videoing them and people were taking notice. But I tell you what, something changed in the atmosphere. Because somebody was determined, I'm going to do something outside the box so people can be saved. My God, my God, my God, how determined are we? Oh, how determined are we? You know what? I'll rest when I'm dead. I'll rest when I, I'll rest when I get to heaven. But right now, I'm plowing those fields. It's time to not just plow, but it's time to reap the harvest. The harvest is ready.
I'll stop praying when I get to heaven. I'll stop fasting when I get to heaven. I'll stop reaching when I get to heaven. I'll stop interceding when I get to heaven. But right now, as long as I'm on this earth, I've got to realize that my sole purpose and calling is to lead somebody to Jesus. Let me get on here. Stay with me for just, just another couple moments here. The heart, l- l- listen to this. This is the point I want to make. Let me get back to Jonah for a minute. Please catch this right here. The hardest part about this whole Jonah thing. The difficult part was not having revival in this wicked city. The difficult part was getting Jonah on location. It was not difficult for revival to be poured out in Nineveh. It was difficult to get Jonah to go to Nineveh. Think about it. Do we ever look at it like that? The hard part was not having revival in this exceedingly wicked city. That was not the difficult part. The difficult part, and God had to do a little extra work, the difficult part was getting the man that he called to even go do what he said to do. That Jonah was the difficult one, but when Jonah repented and went and preached, he preached and they repented and there was revival in Nineveh just because he did what God told him to do. Is it really different? Go to Nineveh and preach. Is there really a difference between that and and going ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature? We look, man, we give Jonah a hard time. And I I, I understand that he, you know, he could have done a little better in some of them areas. But man, we give Jonah a hard time. How could Jonah just ignore God's call? How could Jonah just not go and reach those 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 precious just lost souls how could Jonah just ignore the call of God how could we how could Jonah just know that God was calling him to reach the lost and just run away from it how can we how can we know that God's calling us to reach the lost and ignore it how can we know that God's calling us to reach the lost and go days and weeks and months without reaching out to anybody Kind of hard to give Jonah a hard time now. And then you look a little bit later at Jonah's mindset later on. We think, how can Jonah just, you know, how, how could Jonah just look at those people and say they just deserve destruction for their wickedness? How can we look and, and look, you know, how can he look and say they don't deserve God's mercy and compassion? They, they just need to be consumed and die and just go away. How do we look at people and think that? My God. Oh, these, these crazy people over here and these crazy people over here, we need to get them out of here. We need to, they need to be uh, just burn up and fire and they need to be destroyed. And the, this kind of people, they're just evil and wicked and they make me sick and I wish they'd go away and we'd all be better. Are we really any different than Jonah in that mindset when we look at people and we're disgusted by the things that they do and we just wish they'd die and go to hell? Are we really any different than Jonah? 
I know this is hard, but it's true. Are we really any different than Jonah when we look and say, these people just deserve destruction? You know what? Me and you deserve destruction. Me and you deserve to go to a devil's hell. Oh, but somehow, some way, somebody reached for us. Somebody preached to us. I don't care how wicked they are. I don't care how disgusting the actions are. I don't care how bad they are and how much sin they're in. They're a soul that I have the power to save. How can I look at them and say they just need to be destroyed when I have the power to turn them around to Jesus? So be careful before we cast stones at Jonah. Listen, I'm getting ready to wind up, I promise. You, can, you know what? You can even stand with me if you want to. Just give me another couple minutes here. We may live in an exceedingly wicked world with many, many dark forces against us. But we are the ones with the authority and the power. We are the ones walking with the favor of God on us. We are the ones walking with the call and the purpose of God on us. We are the ones that have angels surrounding us as we walk and as we go through our day. We are the ones filled with the Holy Ghost and power to reach the lost. It may feel like we're outnumbered physically, but my God, the power that is for us is so much more than the power that is against us. We're the ones with authority. The Lord said you're going to be like sheep among wolves. He just said plainly, you're going to be like sheep among wolves. Well, that's not very comforting. You know what, though? You know what? Wolves don't have a shepherd. When I start thinking, you know what? I may be sheep, we may be sheep among wolves, but wolves don't have a shepherd. It makes the sheep look a little more bad, don't it? It makes the sheep seem like we got more of a fighting chance, don't it? I tell you what, we got more than just a fighting chance. We've got the shepherd of our soul that is walking with us. And I know that it's 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 comfortable when we're sheep among sheep. This is us in here today, sheep among sheep. And I am we ought to not ever stop that. We, we for its sake, not the assembling of ourselves together. We, we ought to be in unity and the faith, join together, have church. I, I believe in it. But we still got to go out and be sheep among wolves. But I've got the shepherd with me. Deuteronomy 11, 22. For if you shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways and to cleave unto Him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and you shall possess greater nations, mightier than yourselves. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness unto Lebanon, and from the, the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay fear of you and the dread of you upon the land that they you shall tread upon. And he has said unto you, as he has said unto you, he said, it's yours. It's just like when he told him to go to Jericho. He said, I've given Jericho to you. 
He didn't say go and fight for Jericho, go and go and sack Jericho, go and, and, and throw, you know, catapults and, and spears and arrows and, and attack them. He didn't say that. He didn't say go fight for Jericho. He said, you're not going to have to go fight a battle. He just said, go and take it. I've given it unto you. It's already yours. And you know what? We, we, uh, when we read about Rahab, we see from what she told the, the Israelite spies that Jericho already knew about the people of God. They already knew, said, there's people around here shaking. There's people wanting to get out of here. They're shaking in their armor because they know that y'all are getting near. They know what the Israelites have done to everybody else that stood in their way. And the enemy is shaking. And I tell you what, the enemy is shaking. The enemy is shaking because he knows there's a people getting inside of them right now. Even right now, there's a people getting something inside of them that they know that I've got, that they know they've got power against me. They know they've got power, and there's nothing that the gates of my little kingdom can do anything about. Wherever the soles of your feet tread, that is yours. It belongs to you. You've got to realize and stop looking at yourself like just a little bitty old sheep. And realize that wherever I walk, I've got authority and dominion. Wherever I walk, when I walk into the darkness, I've got authority and power and dominion. And it belongs to me. And the kingdom of God is with me. And the authority and power of God is with me. Share with us one more thing. Yesterday, Hannah, you can throw that picture up. Hannah and her team does such an amazing job. We always give them a hand clap. Yesterday, I thought this was so cool because we were doing the Jericho walk yesterday and it just so happened I say it just so happened God works things out sometimes I believe yesterday was the anniversary in 1945 that American soldiers planted that flag on Iwo Jima showing we've taken this land we've overcome the enemy we've taken this and it's ours We won. Authority here is ours. Dominion here is now ours. We fought for it. We took it. And there is a flag that we are called to take with us. Y'all come help me. And when we're walking into this darkness... And the enemy is great and exceeding. And wickedness is great and exceeding. We've got to remember I'm walking in. And I don't even have to fight for it. It's already mine. I'm planting this flag. I'm planting this flag. I'm going to stand it up. And we're going to take authority and dominion. We're going to take authority and dominion. And I'm going to go out into this wicked world. And I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I'm going to see lost souls saved. I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified and I'm going to see people saved because it's already ours. Revival is already ours. The harvest is already ours.
Wherever I walk, I'm planting our flag. Wherever I walk, I'm carrying that cross with me. And I'm preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Wherever I walk, I'm taking authority and dominion with me. You know what? We're going to do it together. We're going to do it together. It's not just one, but we're doing it together. I'm closing. What I'm trying to get us to see today, church. I was walking around for miles and miles yesterday. God, my legs hurt. It was cold. My goodness, I couldn't feel my face or my ears, my hands. And we were walking. And we are walking in complete silence. But I was passing people. And it's like, it's just, as I was passing people... I'd smile and nod at them. And it's like the Lord was just letting me not just see their face, but see their soul. And realize that, that's a soul. That's not just a stranger. That's a soul. Smiling at me and nodding at me on the street. And they're a soul. That if we don't reach, they're going to be lost. Soul winning is not convenient. Soul winning is not convenient and it's definitely not always comfortable. And it is not something that you can be lazy and still do. And I'm not trying to just be hard on us and be mean to us today and, and just tell us we're doing something wrong. I'm trying to get us to see. If the Lord gives us 50 more years, we'll be here in 50 years and we'll be preaching and teaching and having church and growing. There'll be new people and there'll be new converts and there'll be prodigals returned home by that time. But this is what I'm saying. We look sometimes like we've got another 50 years. When the signs of the time, I'm sorry, the signs of the time, just it just don't really add up if you just look at what's going on. I know I don't know the day or the hour, and we might have a hundred more years, but I'm saying I can look around and see what's going on and realize that right now it is so urgent that we stop looking for it like it's a, a great distance and like that revival is going to happen in the last five minutes before the Lord comes back. We can't afford to wait. We've got to reach people. We've got to reach people that are different than us. That come from different backgrounds and different cultures and come out of all kinds of situations. They might speak a different language than me. They're a different color than me. It don't matter. We've got to reach them. They don't have the same kind of background as me. It don't matter. I've got to reach them. It's what we're called to. This church is a revival church. This church is a revival church. And you've heard me say it, and pastor say it, and everybody else say it. It still rings true today. This is a revival church. 
and from the least to the greatest. Uh, and I'm talking about oldest to youngest, every background, everybody in here today. If you're a part of this church, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. It's time to tap into your calling and be a witness. God, what can I do to reach somebody? Search me, Lord, and show me and prick my heart. God, break my heart today. Show me what I need to do. Show me where I lack. I wish we could flood these altars right now. And I wish we could pray with a cry of desperation. God, show me where I lack and show me how I can reach somebody. The time is not far off. The time is now. Am I answering the call that God's placed on my life? Am I answering the call that comes with the infilling of the Holy Ghost? Let's pray and cry out to God. Cry out to God for your family. Come on, are your kids lost? Cry out to God. Your husband, your wife, your family members, your friends and co-workers and classmates. Call out to God. I'm not going to let them be lost. Let's pray.
Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to know that. And hear what I'm saying. What's coming is not just because of us. Somebody planted. There's something going to happen in this city. There's something going to happen in this country. But I don't live all over this country. I live here. And I've said this before. Maybe some of you have heard me talk about this before. But this is actually recorded history. That in, in 1800, 1801, at the University of Georgia, that there were some people, students, that were trying to get more of God. They, they began to search the scriptures and seek things, and they didn't understand what they were reading, but they saw something that happened in the scripture that they had not experienced, and they began to pray and seek God for this. And, and when they did, God began to pour his spirit out. And there's actual recorded eyewitness things. You can look it up. And, and read about it where the, the newspaper took eyewitness accounts of what was going on and they would say things like well these young people were praying and then they just began to speak in other languages and some would take off running and then just fall like somebody shot them they would just drop to the ground and, and they would roll on the ground and they were worshiping and, and something was beginning to happen but they didn't have that, that whole impartation of it yet. It wasn't all there yet. There was something going on they didn't know. But now, there's a group of young people who have this revelation of Jesus Christ. And, well, I tell you, with revelation comes authority and power because they've got a name. And there's something coming to this city that started not with us. And that's all right. Some plant, some water. You be assured. You be assured that revival is here and that the work of the Spirit is in our midst. Not just in our church, but it's in our city now. They believed by faith in that Jericho walk that now, once that's done, that's accomplished. They set it in order to do it, and they, they did it. That now, those walls are down. And so, if not us, then who? Who? It's going to go tell them about Jesus if it's not us. Who's going to tell them about uh, being born again and baptism and the Holy Ghost if not us? Who's going to pray for them to be healed and delivered if not us? 
we're the church, we're the body. But we're also workers together with Him. He referred to us more as laborers than anything else. Laborers, workers together with Him. Put your hand to the plow. Honey, that's work. That's all right because I'd rather work for the kingdom. I'd rather work for the gospel. What? Well, i tell you that in just... Mm. Just the title just got me. What greater calling? I have no doubt that some of you young people are going to fill roles. I'm talking about roles with, with titles. Some of you will pastor probably someday. Some of you will be missionary, evangelist. But until that comes, the Bible says prepare your work without. Go ahead and be getting things. You, you need all the practice you can get before you step into that role. <laughs> So pray and preach and reach and teach and love and help and encourage. Do all those things before you step into that role, to that title, to that position. Because there ain't a greater position you can have. There ain't a greater calling you can have than to reach the lost. That's wonderful. We're all under the Great Commission. All of us. From the oldest to the youngest in here. All got somebody. You know, even, even some of our older saints, there's people in your life that I'll never see. I don't know them. You've got family members I'll never come in contact with. You can say, come here, baby. Sit up on my lap for a minute. And you start telling them about the Lord. Tell them grandbabies and great-grandbabies. Tell their friends. Tell them about it. Tell their friends. Don't want to spend a night at your house no more. No, if I go to their house, I have to pray. I have to go to their house stuff goes on <laughs> what a tremendous reminder today but revival's coming and it's going to come in the midst of soul winning it's not just going to be a revival of miracles it's going to be soul winning that's going to bring it Jesus did his, his, all his great works while he was reaching the lost it won't be no different with the church We've got to reach the lost, and we're going to see these things happen. Amen. Anybody ready? Anybody ready to answer that call? Are you ready? Are you ready to tell somebody about Jesus? Are you ready to see those loved ones in the altar praying? You ready to see them come out speaking in tongues in Jesus' name? Aren't you ready? Let's lift our hands for just a moment. While she's singing this, let's just worship the Lord. Let that call get just solidified in your spirit, in your heart today. Just look. Lift up your eyes and look. Lift up your eyes and look.
Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that somebody didn't take a day off when I came to pray. I'm so glad that somebody was at their post, in their position. I'm so glad that somebody was still preaching and reaching when I came along because it got me here today. Who's counting on us? You may never know that, that individual, that person. You may not even met them yet, but somebody's waiting on you to walk by. Somebody just like that man sitting at the gate, just looking for a little something. And here comes Peter and John walking by. Somebody's just waiting on you to walk into their life and say, I got what you need, and it's Jesus. Woo! Ain't it going to be great? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap and a shout. Let's get a burden. You know, people get scared of that word. But let's get a burden for the lost. Ask God to, to lay souls on your heart. Lord, let me see them like you see them. Give me a, a burden for the lost. Give me compassion for those that are lost. Praise God. Good stuff today. Good word today. I love the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, you can go back to your seats for just a moment. We're going to uh, uh, take up an offering while we're getting ready. They, they informed me that... Um, before service today that um, they had a little surprise from me and my wife and um, you don't have to do this but we appreciate it but um, Tuesday will be um, our 25th wedding anniversary and it's been a glorious 25 years I'm looking forward to at least 25 more the Lord tarries, and uh, I think I'll just love you just as much then as I ever have. I love that woman, and she loves me, and I know it. That ain't being, that ain't being no way. I know it, and um, she's a good wife to me. She's a good friend to me. She is my helpmeet, and she helps me pastor this church. So everything pastor does this by himself because he don't. I'm glad uh, that God gave me somebody to help me with the load because there's certain areas that she works a lot better in than I do. And that's all right. I, I, that's not embarrassing to me. I, I know God put us together. We are a team. Yes, we are. And God put us together for, for this work right here in Winterville, Georgia. This is uh, when we was both little kids running around, didn't know nothing. God already had this place set up waiting on us, and I'm glad he did. So we're going to uh, just pray real quick, let them take the offering, and then whoever's coming to speak can come on and speak. So would you bow your head just a moment, and let's pray. Jesus, thank you for all that you have done. And I pray today, Lord, that we can have faith to win the lost and reach for the lost. Lord, today as we serve you in this house and in this kingdom, we give our tithes and offering today, knowing that it's going to be a blessing for the work. So, Lord, use it for your glory, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. And don't forget, uh, as you're giving and you've been so good to do it, don't forget about these that are traveling on missions trips, that they have fundraisers in place. And uh, Sister Jamie's uh, board out there, you can stop by. And if you want to give, she has uh, links and, and pages you can go to to donate. Sister Kristen has her uh, 
fundraising link up now. And Bibby, you got yours up yet? Not yet. So we've got some that are going. And, and I know uh, it's, sometimes it seems like whew, everybody's going. There's a lot of people got to be reached. And they ain't, all, they ain't all right here in our town. And so I'm thankful that God's raising up people in our midst to go preach the gospel and reach the lost. And I'm excited and, and very honored to know these young ladies that have answered a call to missions and to do things for the Lord. Praise God. God's good to us. So whoever's coming, come on, take this microphone. And uh, let's see what they're going to do to us today. Um. Wow, that's really something to have to follow, uh, have to follow Jake's message. And um, in full disclosure, I had, I guess, kind of a pastor moment this morning um, when I woke up. My entire message was different. Um, everything that I was going to say was different. So I rewrote it this morning in the nursery. And if it doesn't make sense and if it's 30 minutes long, it's because I didn't edit it. So we'll just see how this goes. Um, so today we honor and celebrate Pastor and Mother Walden as they celebrate their 25th wedding anniversary on Tuesday. And because we love any opportunity to show y'all how much we love and appreciate y'all, I get to talk about love and marriage and y'all. Um, so let's look at what 25 years together means. That's 300 months. That is 1,300 weeks. And on Tuesday... Y'all will have been married 9,128 days, according to, to Google. Siri may say something different. Um, that is 25 sets of holidays to navigate, plan, and celebrate, or dread, depending on the situation with the in-laws. That's 25 cold and flu seasons, and we all know that you ain't really married until you've dealt with a sick spouse. And I don't mean man-cold sick. The, I mean, like, a raging bout of stomach flu or morning sickness that lasts all day for an entire pregnancy. That's commitment right there. 300 months is 300 sets of monthly bills and budgets and Hobby Lobby obsessions. Yes, Lord. 1,300 weeks. That is an awful lot of Mondays to get through without killing each other. That's hundreds of easy like Sunday morning getting kids ready for church. <laughs> yeah, right. And over 9,100 days, how many chances for arguments does that present? At least 9,100. How many chances for showing love, mercy, and grace have the Waldens had in those 9,100 days? Over 9,100 opportunities. Did they take every single opportunity? No, probably not, because they're not perfect. At least that's what they tell us. Did they mess up and hurt each other's feelings? Of course. Did they apologize, work through it, and make up? Absolutely, since making up is half the fun. Throughout the, throughout the ages, many quotes and sayings have been written down about marriage, and I've collected some of the best, some of the sweet, funny, true, and downright honest. So here are several of them. Where there is love, there is life. To be fully seen by somebody then and to be loved anyhow that is how a human offering can border on miraculous. I love this one. I love you without knowing how or when or from where. I love you simply without problems or pride. I love you in this way because I do not know any other way of loving but this, in which there is no I or you, 
so intimate that your hand upon my chest is my hand, and so intimate that when I fall asleep, your eyes close. You know you're in love when you can't really fall asleep because reality is finally better than your dreams. A successful marriage requires falling in love many times, but always with the same person. Being deeply loved by someone gives you strength, while loving someone deeply gives you courage. We're all a little weird, and life is a little weird, and we find, when we find someone whose weirdness is compatible with ours, we join up with them and fall into mutually satisfying weirdness and call it love, true love. What greater thing is there for two human souls than to feel that they are joined for life, to strengthen each other in all labor, to rest on each other in all sorrow, to minister to each other in silent, unspeakable moments, silent, unspeakable memories at the last moment of parting. When you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. How long were y'all engaged? Just kidding. <laughs> A great marriage is not when the perfect couple comes together. It is when an imperfect couple learns to enjoy their differences. Love at first sight is, is easy to understand. It's when two people have been looking at each other for a lifetime that it becomes a miracle. A happy marriage is a long conversation which always seems too short. And I really like this one. Love has nothing to do with what you are expecting to get, only with what you are expecting to give, which is everything. The real act of marriage takes place in the heart, not in the ballroom or in the synagogue or in the church. It's a place, it's a, sorry, it's a choice you make, not just on your wedding day, but over and over again. And that choice is reflected in the way you treat your husband or wife. Um, let's see. And I love being married. It's great to find that one special person you want to annoy for the rest of your life. Yeah, I really like that one. Um, and my, probably my favorite one, you know you're in love when the two of you can go to to the grocery store together. Because in my opinion, if you can do toilet paper math together, you can weather any storm. <laughs> and nothing tests a relationship like learning what the other person puts ketchup on. Right? Who puts ketchup on their eggs? I mean, really. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor. But what do these words and quotes really mean? They're embodied by the Waldens. I mean, most of them at least. I'm sure they probably do like to annoy and pick at each other every now and then just for fun. But we have an example in front of us to draw from when we look at our own marriages, either current or future. We see them laugh together, love on each other, parent together, struggle together, encourage each other, and most importantly, pray for and with each other. We see the evidence of 25 years of hard work because make no mistake about it, marriage is hard. Looking at my own life, I'd say that marriage is harder than carrying and delivering a child, and some days it's a toss-up as to which is harder, parenting or wifing. But like raising kids, it's worth it. About five and a half years ago or so, I saw a young couple at McDonald's giggling and cooing at each other as, as they do, you know, only the, as, see, I did not edit this. It's very bleh for me to read. Um, giggling and cooing at each other as only those who are newly in love can do. And that particular day, I felt inspired to write something on Facebook about what I observed and felt and thought, and I found it because I thought that that little blurb was appropriate today. 
At first, my initial thought was, how sweet, young love. But then I got to thinking about it. Young love is great. Young love is heart-stopping and breathless. It's full of promise. But old love is even better. It is the fulfillment of that promise. It's the kind of love that has been through birth and death, sickness and health, good and bad. It has seen the vows of the wedding day come to fruition. Old love has laughed, cried, fought, made up, messed up, forgiven, and forgotten. New love may be breathless, but old love is breath itself. So what's our takeaway as outsiders looking at a 25-year marriage? What can we get from pastor's marriage to his wife? I think it's really simple. Just love each other. Married or not, just love each other more. Have a heart for each other. And for those, who, those of us who are married, we need to love our spouses and put the Lord at the center of our marriage. It's what they do. They love. They love people. They love us. They love each other. And they love the Lord, both as individuals and as a couple, if that makes sense. That's how we can best celebrate and honor their silver anniversary by loving other people the way that they love other people. So I'm sure if we all wanted to pitch in and send them to Africa, they probably would not complain. So today we give honor to Pastor and Sister Walden as they celebrate their 25th wedding anniversary. We respect this accomplishment because reaching that silver anniversary is no simple feat. We love them for the example that they give us. Thank you for being the wonderful, loving couple that you are. We love you and honor you on this day and every other day. And of course, we have a little something for you. Just a little something. A wonderful something full of goodies. It took all my willpower not to look in it when I was in the nursery. But we love you guys very, very much. Silver? Silver. Really? It, it seems like, I don't know, just a lot shorter than that. To me, it does. You know, we haven't really thought this out. We're just like being married to each other, you know. And people keep, what? Oh, he's a silver fox, yes. The side of his head is silver. You hope you'll be this bad one day. I've told people before that this man saved me in every way that a person can be saved except the Holy Ghost. And he did. He saved me in every way that a person can be saved except the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's taken care of me for a long time. He's put up with me for a long time. And um, we are we're a pretty good example of opposites attract. Um, he's introverted. I'm, I'm extremely extroverted. Um, but God's been good to us. And I just... Yes, his introvert is kicking in in a big way right now. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> but I love y'all. Y'all are so sweet. Y'all don't have to do anything. We're just, we're just good. We're good with being here, and we're good with y'all, and we're good with each other. And we love our kids, Jake and Annabeth. Y'all are just amazing. I don't know what in the world we do without you, our family that's here. We love y'all so much and just couldn't make it without you. And um, we love y'all so Thank you so much. Y'all are precious. Mm. I will say this because 
I love being married to this woman. Marriage is great. It is great. It's it's great. I mean, you know, and but I will say this: it's serious. But you won't ever find any greater relationship than than that. When when is I mean, God put us together. I knew it. Somebody asked how long we were engaged. We started dating in August. I asked her to marry me in September. We got married in February. <laughs> now you say that's pretty quick, but I might have got beat a little bit on that proposal. I think my brother-in-law <laughs> cut me a, cut me by a couple of weeks on that. So, but I know as good as any as I'm standing here that God put us together. So hey, listen to me, young people. You come up to me next week and say, "Oh, I, I'm getting engaged tomorrow." We're going to have a long talk. <laughs> I knew God had put us together just as I knew God had put them together. I, I wouldn't, I didn't concern myself with the, the time frame because I knew it was the Lord. But when you decide to make that step, you better do what the scripture says. Husband, love your wife. I, you can talk to the ladies later. I'm telling the guys, hey, listen. Don't tell me how much you love Jesus if you treat your wife bad. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't even believe that. I don't believe nothing you say. And you tell me, oh, I love the Lord. And I see you be ugly to your wife. I'm like, you don't love Jesus. Because he, he, you're supposed to love your wife like Jesus loves the church. So don't be, don't be, and Jesus never treats me bad. So, so I'm just telling you, it will work. If you will let it, it will. It will work if you'll let it. So keep God number one. You love him, then y'all be able to love each other. And it'll all work out for good. Praise the Lord. God's good. And thank you for all this stuff again. Um, you know, uh, I said it, you, you, know, we, you don't have to do it. We do appreciate it. We do appreciate the honor and love that you show us. I, don't, I would never want to portray that I am ungrateful for it it's just very awkward for me <laughs> and uh, I just love having church so so thank you for being here today son thank you for a tremendous message yeah. feeding our souls what a blessing I want to say thank you to all of our musicians and choir <laughs> tremendous work today I know we've had a lot of people out thank you for all of our media that yeah. picture pictures and videos, lyrics, sound. Brother Anthony, good to see you and your bride here today too. And um, all that are here that, that we haven't seen in a long time. Brother Austin, so great to see you today. Brother Donnie, so great to see you. Brother Joe, you and your family, so glad to see y'all with us today. Sister Wanda, you and Miss Willow, we love you guys. So thankful. And everybody, I, I, I shouldn't have started saying it. All of our people, everyone is here. Thank you, thank you, Brother David. Thank you for dropping in on us. Always great to see him here. He's family, and, and this, is, this is his home away from home, so we're glad he's here uh, today. Church tomorrow night at 7, be prayer meeting. We will not be here. My wife has music practice in uh, Atlanta for a conference this weekend, so I'm going to go with her because I don't like her to go by herself, and then... We're going to celebrate on Tuesday. Then we got church on Wednesday and church on Thursday and church on Friday. And uh, we'll come home and rest Saturday and come back to church on Sunday. So that's what you do. That's what you do. I love you all. You can be dismissed. Have a wonderful day in Jesus' name. God bless you.